Hey everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante. And whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener, I want to thank you for choosing to spend your time with me and our guests here on Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, now more than ever in this turbulent time, it's important to share and spread our message of freedom and fulfillment around the globe. So if you get value from this podcast, I have a favor to ask. If you could go wherever you listen to this podcast and leave us a positive rating and review, that helps us carry our message further around the globe. And if you wouldn't mind, Post a link to this podcast on your Facebook page. Share it on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, wherever you're at on social media. I want to thank you for helping us take our message to those people around the globe who truly need it. And I want to thank you for being a loyal listener. Thank you. When technology is an extension of yourself, you forget that over thousands of years, our human brain has developed to create relationships in person. What does the word freedom mean to you? Only you can define it in your life and only you can decide to build the life of freedom and fulfillment you deserve. This is Freedom Mindset Radio. I'm your host, Kurt Mercadante, and we're grateful you're here. Our guest today is Erin Urban. She is a certified career strategist and executive coach helping driven, experienced professionals remove career roadblocks and unlock their potential for more influence, impact, and income. She's also a Forbes Coaches Council member, international speaker, published author, behavioral scientist, as well as the brain behind CoachEurban.com, powered by her company, Up Solutions and the host of the brand spanking new Career Coffee Chat podcast. Aaron is a motivational speaker that demystifies career growth by cutting through the noise and a realistic yet humorous take on overcoming career stagnation. She reveals the transformational power behind what it takes to increase your influence and impact. Aaron, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Kurt, it's a huge pleasure. I'm so stoked to be here. Aaron, first question I always like to kick off with, the word freedom. What does the word freedom mean to you? That is a great question. I love the word freedom. Kurt, the word freedom to me means removing the shackles that society's expectations put on us and coming to know who we are as a person, as an individual, as a professional, so we can indeed unlock our potential and achieve our influence and impact because it's almost impossible to do that as long as we're living by someone else's expectations of who we need to be. And that's such a, um, when you talk about the shackles of external expectations, I find that that is one of the biggest uh, kind of uh, pieces in the recipe for self-built prisons, right? That people have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> totally. Yes. Uh, we. It's so fascinating. People experience what I call the mid-career wake-up call or mid-career pause, um, and they try to reinvent themselves. And what's interesting right now, the socioeconomic challenges that we're going through, a lot of people are having that opportunity, whether either you thrust upon them or by choice. A lot of people are having that moment to sit back and reflect where they are, how far they come in their life, and is this really what I want to do? Am I headed in the right direction? Am I making an impact? Am I making a difference? And is what is meaningful to me 
right? What does that fulfillment look like? Because a lot of people are miserable. Um, and it's understandable. We, we, we go to college, right? We get some sort of certification degree, whatever. And right out of college, we find a job. We want to find a job. Why? Because we want to pay the bills. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's no planning here. We just want to pay the stinking bills. We want to, you know, get out of mom, dad's house, have our own independence, our own freedom. And for us at that moment, that's freedom. So what's interesting about the word freedom is it, it evolves over the span of our life. Hmm. Um, freedom is different, means something different depending on where you are in your life journey, in your career journey. So for those people just coming out of college, freedom to them is paying the stinking bills. Um, And there's really no career planning at that point. And so one door opens, another door opens. We walk through very organically. One day we wake up and we look around and go, what, what, what am I doing? I don't even like what I'm doing. And this, this sucks. (laughs) Right, right, right. Have you, have you, you know, over the last, I guess it's four months, right? Um, uh, It's four months since they said 15 days to slow the spread. And now we're in, I think it's 15 years. But um, when you look back at the last four months, have you seen a lot of people who have come to you uh, having that wake up call? Maybe they've traded a false sense of security for years for their freedom. And now they're realizing, well, what the hell was that worth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How far did that get me? Thanks. Yeah. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that uh, there's a lot of bean counters out there making a lot of, a lot of decisions that's hurting a lot of people's lives. Um, it's interesting. I have a friend, he's, he got his retirement package because they looked at what he's paid, his age, and said, okay, retirement package. He's the only person that can do what he does in the whole company. Wow. I said, hey, contractor, make more money. Why not? Yeah, but, right. Right. <laughs> to answer your question, yes, there's, there's a lot of people reaching out right now. They want to find fulfillment. They want to establish that career journey, that career path that makes sense for them based on their strengths, expertise, and interests. Because oftentimes we can be really good at something we really don't like to do. This is, mm. this is truth. And you'll know it because when you go into work, when you log on, if you're working remotely, most of us are, you're just like, oh, there we go. 500 Zoom calls. <laughs> right. And none of it you know, is fulfilling to me. I'm miserable. I'm drained at the end of the day. Although, honestly, if you have more than two Zoom calls, you will be drained regardless. <laughs> <laughs> That's just neurological fact. But yeah, there's so many people right now who are having that wake up moment, either thrust upon them or what have you. And they're rethinking where, where, where do I want to go next? You know, how can I be more impactful? How can I increase my influence? And how can I make more income? Because it's pretty scary out there. Yeah. And you, you, sometimes, you know, we're good at, or maybe we have skills, which are different than natural behaviors or strengths and et cetera. But we, we could be really good at something that we really hate, or that doesn't give us that sense of fulfillment and freedom. Mm-hmm. And I've, there's a lot of, uh, when I say a lot, you know, I've run across a significant amount of people who've worked with career coaches. Maybe I put that in quotes, who are more about they don't care about freedom and fulfillment. They're about putting butts in seats. You know, even if it's forcing that square peg in the round hole. Mm. And the problem with that is some people trade one prison for another. 
So where, when you work with someone, a, a client, where do you begin with them in terms of, because I think a lot of people have that mentality, right? It's, you know, hell, a lot of people are 45 and they, they probably come to you. They'll come, they're living the life that their dad laid out for them when they were 15. Go into finance because you'll get a job and 25, 30 years later, they're like, I've hated the last 30 years. So where do you start with someone like that? Yeah, great question. And and that does happen all the time. And they really <laughs> want to be a veterinarian, but the mom and dad want to be accountant or whatever. And of course, if you knew how many physicians hate what they do, you would ask very different questions when you go have a procedure done. Interesting. Yeah. So <laughs> this happens all the time. And where do we start? Well, first we need as a as a career coach, as a career strategist. My, my goal here is to help you achieve your dream, right? Help, to help you achieve your goals. I lift people up to their highest level. That depends on what they want. If they want clarity, what that next best step is, great, let's start there. If they just want to put their butt in a seat somewhere, I'm not gonna tell them no, <laughs> okay? Right. And I'm also going to say, hey, have you considered? But maybe they just want to grow their career where they're at, and that's good too. So what I'm I'm what they call a comprehensive career coach. I see it from the beginning to the end. So for your question, it's really around the clarity portion. Hey, I don't like what I'm doing. This makes I I have this nagging suspicion that my life my my work is draining the life out of me. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm miserable. And you'll know because here's this here's the symptoms some of the symptoms and Kurt, you can probably share a couple of your own because um, we've all been there, right? Um, you know, when doing what you do doesn't excite you anymore, you feel anxious driving into work. And this was me many years ago before I decided to say sayonara to uh, corporate. I would drive into work into the cubicle form and I just, I had anxiety going, and it wasn't even the traffic, and Houston traffic's terrible, so, but just anxiety with that thought of that gray, dull cubicle farm, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this, you know, and so the anxiety happens, if you are drained at the end of the day, you don't, you don't even have energy to enjoy the things you normally enjoy, by the way, that's burnout. You're getting close to burnout. And unfortunately, Kurt, a lot of people don't know they need to make a pivot until they are burned out. And if that's you, if if you just, if you can't, if you struggle to think, right, and even think about what to start and nothing excites you, you might be burned out. If that's you, take a break. You need to take a break. That's step number one. If you are actually burned out, you have to just unplug for a while because I can't work with you until you start to get that life back. Hmm. And when I start to work with people, then we get very firm idea about what drives you. What does like your spark? What is your work style? What is your communication style? What's your strengths? What gives you energy? What drains your energy? Because whatever steps you take next, we want to avoid the energy drainers. Right. <laughs> and put much emphasis on those things that give us energy, right? So we have to get a real firm picture around that. And also understand there's a big difference between your gifts and your passion. Hmm. We all like to talk about passion, right? How many times have you heard about passion, Kurt? Yeah, yep. 
Yeah, yeah. A lot about passion. And I'll tell you what about passion. All right, let me give you an example. I am a cyclist. I love cycling out on the country roads out here in the middle of nowhere. And I also love the Tour de France, which is the biggest bicycle race in the whole world every year. Like, this year, it's a little funky. It's virtual, whatever. So <laughs> even though I am passionate about cycling, that's not my gift. Right. <laughs> you will never see me in the Tour de France. Those people are gifted. Does that make sense? What's yeah. really funny about your gifts, and this is how I work with people, is your gifts are something that flies under the radar. You don't even think about it. You take it for granted. It comes easy for you. And, and you may have heard somebody say, oh, you can do such and such. Well, that's, you know, that's so hard for me. And you're like, eh, no big deal. If that's you, that's probably a gift. And sometimes, Kurt, they're not sexy. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you know, but it's important to understand what those gifts are. Because in that area, in that genre, is where you get your energy. Those are things that yeah. give back to you. And that's so important when you talk about freedom, when you talk about fulfilling work lifestyle, when you talk about owning your impact and being able to influence others. We have to leverage our strengths. And our strengths aren't necessarily those skills that we learned. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and in my book, the first pillar of the freedom lifestyle is superpowers. And I'm a Gallup certified strengths coach. And one of the things we, we I talk about in the book is that difference between skills and strengths. And I ask people, you know, did you play baseball or softball? And they say, yes. Or, you know, in high school or growing up, I said, what position did you play? I played pitcher. Were you right-handed or left-handed? They say, I was right-handed. I said, well, what if the manager came up at the beginning of the season and said, hey, we're going to try something new this year. You're going to pitch left-handed. Like, oh, that would suck. I mean, I said, right. Whether or not you can throw a baseball is a skill. Whether or not you are right or left-handed is your natural talent or your natural strength with which you were born. And you combine the two and it's a strength. Um, and then you get into the fact that a lot of us make ourselves do the equivalent of pitch from the left-handed side of the plate day in and day out. But I've been a Gallup certified. I, I took StrengthsFinder. It helped me uh, level up my business, my old business, um, over 10 years ago, and then became certified uh, uh, three or four years ago. Uh, I recently became certified in DISC. So you are DISC certified. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit about... Um, what DISC is, the model of human behavior. It's interesting for me as someone who comes from the strengths background doing DISC and seeing how they interweave. And it's sometimes I feel like, oh, DISC is the next level. And sometimes I feel like, well, strengths is the next level. But it's really interesting comparing whether you're direct or interactive and all these things. So can you, right. can you let us know more about what DISC is? Because a lot of people talk about DISC, even people who uh, aren't necessarily the most qualified to talk about it, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's funny is, uh, Kurt, you know, DISC is superficially very straightforward. It's, it's superficially DISC seems simple. Hmm. And that's actually the, the beauty of being able to leverage the tool because it isn't overly complicated. Like Myers-Briggs has like 18 personality types or whatever. Now they have dash N and dash J and who can keep track of that? I have never met anyone and I'm not bashing Myers-Briggs because it has its purpose and its place, but I've never met anyone who's actually able to leverage a tool. Just hmm. be honest. Okay. So StrengthsFinder hmm. is great. Um, but DISC, when I am, I'm extended DISC certified. So it's just as it says, 
it's disk extended. There's so much information behind that superficially straightforward approach you know, for four personality types. Well, no, actually there's a lot more personality types than just four. Those are the four main dominant styles or work styles, but you have no one is less than 1% of the population is just one style. Right. And all of this, by the way, Strengths Finder, Berkman, uh, Extended Disc, and Myers Briggs, I believe, are all based on the same model from Carl Jung. So that's why you see a lot of these cross correlations. Mm. And Extended Disc has done a fantastic job this year of providing more tools to help people who are cross certified like yourself mm. blend these models together to give a comprehensive package to your clients, to anyone wanting to understand themselves better so they can leverage their influence and impact to growing their career on a whole host of tools. I leverage this tool, not only in the career clarity portion, but also with my career growth clients to help them understand how to influence others. That's one thing I love about Extended Disc because it teaches you not only about yourself, but about other people. Yeah, that and that's what I, I think a lot of people don't, you know, it's how you're influenced and how you influence others. Um, uh, you know, I got decertified in the midst of a, as part of really for sales and looking at sales, because mm -hmm. when you get on the phone with someone who's direct and let's say you're interact, you just want to tell stories. It's like, you just lost the sale. Um, but to your point about, you know, there's a lot of assessments out there. And you named a few of them, but you, they keep going and going. And then someone's like, oh, do you know this assessment? I'm like, I don't even, there's other strengths assessments that aren't Gallup and, and related. And, and I think if you Google, there's probably 82 different forms of disc, uh, some which are not correct. And, but no matter what you do, you know, Gallup touts that like 90% of fortune 500 companies have taken disc of those 90%, I'm willing to bet 90% at least, you know, I talked to HR directors, I talked to other people and they're like, yeah, we do it, but we also do Myers-Briggs and we do DISC. And that goes into Manila folder. And so I've, I've had people take it and they're like, yeah, I have my old uh, assessment here. Like I've never looked at it. And, but the key is utilizing it, right? Just like you talked about, whether it's DISC, Gallup is using it intentionally to find out. I mean, I go back to my, my, uh, my, my reports on StrengthsFinder like every two weeks, because if, I'm, if I feel like I'm veering off this way, right? I'm more of a strategic thinker. And if I'm involved in analytical and little, like I'm, I'm grinding, I'm not flowing. So I got to go back. But DISC is very much the same way. And it's fascinating how... I will switch in the middle of a conversation and I got to get better at knowing why I'll switch from direct to interactive. I mean, those are my two, like it's, I'm D and I like, like up here, like there's nothing else for me. Like, like that's it, but I'll switch between the two. And I think it's depending if I get nervous, if there's silence and I feel like I need to feel silence and all that. Um, so from a career perspective, why is DISC vital for a person knowing, oh, I just want to get a job. I, I just want to get a job and make money. Why the hell do I need to know about this mumbo jumbo, this touchy feely? I had one, one guy, right? I did a strengths uh, a presentation once and the guy's uh, it's too touchy feely. I'm like, trust me, I have never been accused of being too touchy feely. But people just hear assessment and they think mumbo jumbo, psychobabble and all that. 
for someone looking to up their career, whether they're looking for a job now or looking at, listen, I want to take the next step. Why is this so vital for them? Yeah. So it's interesting you mentioned that mumbo jumbo. And, you know, a lot of people think about these assessments. They hear the word assessment. They think PIP, something's wrong with me, right? No, it's very smart, successful people leverage these tools to get advantage, to get that extra edge. And that's what they do. They give you insights that you would not normally be able to unpack on your own. Um, most of us have been around the, the globe a few times, you know, probably a few days on our on our <laughs> birthday cake. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, we probably have an idea of who we are. But what's interesting is inevitably with every single assessment, every single workbook, every time I work with my clients, I reveal things they are like, can 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 you can you hang on? I gotta I gotta write I gotta write this because they're like what what I do what I was like yeah because it's not just when you unpack this information with a certified professional. And the nice thing about extended disc is it you cannot take it with someone who's not certified. So it's not like mm. you can Google it and take it on your own. Um, because you can do that with a lot of the other assessments, and then yeah. you're you're on your own. And a lot of times, what happens, Kurt, is people get those assessments, they look at it, and go yep 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 that's me. And that's it. They throw it away. It's a labeling device. Okay. It's not a labeling device. It's a growth device. It allows you to get insights. What I love about extended disc and I am a type A perfectionist, by the way. So I had to find the exact right one. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I <did> all the research. <laughs> and I have an extended disc and I'm just like, oh, thank you. And they're coming out with more tools. They even have a remote worker assessment tool. So for those of you who are in leadership, Hmm. Uh, yeah, big, humongous advantage there. They also do a, a manager's playbook. So you can have each person on your team take the assessment that gives you a playbook to understand how they interact with one another, how they don't interact with another, some areas to red flag, you know, well, if this happens, okay, Sally and Sue, they're going to, right? So hmm. it allows you to manage a team at a much higher level, get much more productivity. It also allows you to talk and engage with these individuals at their level, on their language. Because what's interesting, Kurt, when we are not self-aware or we think everybody should be just like us, and a lot of people are like that, we, we, we shove our communication onto other people. Literally, we are hmm. like verbally vomiting on people. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that gets you nowhere fast. Um, if someone is not exactly like you, you may or may not be speaking your language. I mean, communication only happens when the other person actually receives the message you intended. So you'd be amazed how many times communication doesn't happen at all. And this tool allows you to be able to be more effective, not only at communicating, but also understanding other people's language of influence, hmm. right? Um, and what's interesting about influence is we, we think of it backwards. We think, what can I get from other people? Really, when we think of influence, we need to think about what do they value, right? So we need to step towards them instead of make, forcing them into like some sort of mold that we've designed um, because it doesn't work. No. Yeah, yeah, that 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 word influence is so overused, especially in terms of, you know, this the quote influencer economy. And so some people think of influencer and they think of like one of the Kardashians or Kylie Jenner, you know, uh selling stuff on Instagram, watches or jewelry or something. 
and or like you know linkedin influencer oh so such and such an influencer and like you said they think about they think about likes and views and when people look at branding they they think of the same thing oh it's about likes and views i talked to a, a, a guy an entrepreneur last week who said well you know we hired uh, like a 20 something to post on social media and it didn't work for us. And so they think of, when you think of the word influence or even branding, or they link them together, like you said, it's about what I'm doing to force things on other people. But what you mentioned there, I really want to highlight, which is what do other people value? And that's the really at the heart of whether or not we will ever see or have seen for a while, a true free market. But when you get down to it and building a business, that's what it's about. You are making someone's life better in some way, shape, or form. And in doing so, they're getting value from that, right? And so looking at that, and, and I'm looking at, at the screen right now, it says impact right on top of influence. You are having an impact on their lives. Yet so many people, like you said, do it in reverse about what I'm going to provide. Here's how wonderful I am. And I mentioned that in the branding point of view, but if you're helping someone in their career, right? And, and there's a lot of people, um, I don't know if you're familiar, I should hook you guys up, but Isaac Morehouse, he just founded a new company called Crash. And he wants to uh, really look at um, uh, disrupting the job search. Now he's working with a lot of people who are coming right out of college more, more. Um, but really disrupt it in a way that gets away from just, I'm gonna send out a hundred resumes, and really applies sales and branding techniques to the job search uh, category. Because if, if you're sitting down across from someone and you're hoping because you have a certain school on your resume, like you're kind of screwed if the other 10 competitors for the job have the same school, right? I mean, so there's got to be a differentiator and an X factor. And so looking at the, 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 that impact that and the value that other people are going to get is so important. But what's good for sales and influence, when we think of influence in terms of selling something or branding ourselves, do people lose sight of that when they're looking for a, a job or a new employment as well? Right. Well, what's interesting is um, when it comes to impact and influence, we all have impact and we all have influence. The problem is we're not responsible with it because we don't own it. We don't recognize it. We don't necessarily, we're not intentional with it. We are largely on autopilot, most of us. We have unconscious biases, unconscious ways of acting, just automatic programs running all the time. Well, if X happens, I do Y. I mean, that's basically how we're wired. And that's our brain's way of conserving energy and making life easier on us. Just imagine if you had to think about everything for the first time. <laughs> right, right. Right. So we have all these automatic programs running, um, but we're not intentional with our impact and our influence. So when it comes to the job search, for example, it depends on the individual, okay? So you have different types of people who are seeking jobs, for example. Um, one person is comfortably in a position or uncomfortably in a position, but they're, they're gainfully employed. And they tend to be a little bit more picky. Maybe they can leverage their influence a little bit more, that sort of thing. Um, and then you have those people who are in transition. And depending on how comfortable they are financially, they may need to find something right away and they don't really care about impact and influence. They just want a job. 
<laughs> right, right. What what bites people is if they're not cognizant about aligning their next step with their strength or their zone of genius is what I call it. Hmm. They will be unfulfilled and they'll be looking for another job and the cycle continues. And I'm not saying that we don't need to look for jobs about, you know, every three to five years or so anyway, um, because we should be moving and shifting. But we shouldn't need to just jump from the frying pan into the fire if that to make that analogy. Yeah. The other thing I'm seeing, Kurt, is when it comes to influence, and this is particularly prevalent, and I see it so much right now, people are not influential in their strategic network. They're not mm-hmm. active, they're not engaging it, they're not keeping it warm. So when it comes to the time for them to find a job, they're behind the eight ball, they're behind the ball. <laughs> you know. Influence and keeping that strategic network active is a continuous process. It's not something you wait and do when you need to find a job. If you do that, then you're way behind the ball and it takes a while to see results because a network typically isn't a one and done, right? It takes time, build relationships, connect with the right people. And when you talk about influence as far as landing a job, Let's just say the analogy you gave, you know, 10 people are from the same school and you're hoping that's what's going to get you the job. Well, the differentiator is how well are you able to impact and influence the person who's interviewing you? Hey, everyone, this is Kurt Mercadante, and I want to thank you for being a loyal listener to Freedom Mindset Radio. You know, in this chaotic time of coronavirus chaos, it's so important for people to have a process to define, create, and live their lives of freedom and fulfillment. I lay out just that process in my Amazon bestseller, Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. And in light of this turbulent time, I've dropped the Kindle price of my book to $4.50. That's a more than $2 drop in price. I do this because I truly believe that this is a process that will help those who need freedom and fulfillment now. Perhaps it's you. Perhaps you have spent the past five years, 10 years, 15 years trading away your freedom and fulfillment for a false sense of security and a toxic job and a lifestyle that doesn't fulfill you. And now you're realizing that security was an illusion and you want your freedom now. Go to fivepillarsoffreedom.com right now. There, you can get chapter one of my book absolutely free, and there's a link to purchase the book. As I said, we have dropped the price to $4.50 for the Kindle version of my book. I know the five pillars of the freedom lifestyle will help you define, create, and start living your freedom lifestyle now. Thanks again for being a listener. I wish you a day, a week, a year of freedom and abundance. That last part I, I, I want to expand on, but I want to go back to something you said, strategic network. Can you define that for people? Because sometimes people go, oh, networking, or you know, in this day and age of everyone's your friend if they give you a like or something like that, right? How do you define strategic network and how is that different from networking or you're in my LinkedIn network, or I have 5,000 Facebook friends. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. Well, strategic network is, just as it sounds, it's more strategic. You have a general network, and I encourage everybody to 
work on having lots of what psych- uh, sociologists call loose ties. Um, what's interesting is there's a great deal of power in loose ties because they don't know enough about you to disqualify you. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just honest. <laughs> honest. Because uh, we all have them. We have those really close buddies and friends, and either one of two things are happening. You know, if they're looking for a job or they you know want to move up in their career, and there might be a job that would could be good. And we know too much about them. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Or we're worried that if they take the job and they don't like to blame you. So it's, you know, something, it's too mm. personal, it's too complex. So broad network, strategic means it's a network that'll help you get where you want to go. Hmm. So we want to begin with the end in mind. When it comes to developing your strategic network, we have to have a plan. And most people, quite frankly, spend more time planning their vacations and their careers. But you need to have a plan. Start with the end in mind. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And know, too, it will evolve, and that's fine. But you have to start somewhere. (laughs) So start with the end in mind. Where do you want to go, and who will help you get there? Is it an organization? Is it a certain set of people? Can you develop relationships with those people? And if you know your communication work style and what drives you, what your priorities are, strength finder, extended disc, et cetera, you're much more well-equipped to speak the language, to connect, influence, et cetera, without draining you and still being authentic. Yeah. Yeah, that last part is because I, I feel like there are some folks who just, uh, I, I see it on LinkedIn a, a lot, where there's a fine line between just wanting to use and abuse your network, but also having an intention for where you want to go with your network. And when I say there's a fine line, I mean, for some it's bigger, for some it's a little smaller, but some people don't even want to think about, I could, I have intention for where I want to use my network to go. And, and those people are the people who kind of, I like to say, you can see they're playing business and they travel around the country going to this and that, but you're like, well, what's their end? Like, what do they even do? You know, and they do a lot of video. It's like, if I had $10,000 to give you, like, I don't even know what you do, right? Because there's no intention to what they do. Then there's other folks who interact and provide real value. And are they, are they nice people? I guess they're, they're probably nice people, but they also have an intention for where they want to go and they guard their time. And, but it's that fine line. When my book published, the amount of people who kind of came through the woodwork, came out of the woodwork, who wanted free stuff. And I don't want to be a jerk, but I also want to serve the people that are moving in the direction they want to go and are helping me get to the direction I want to go. So do you see what I'm saying? Where is that fine line? Because it's like, I could spend all day doing calls with just kind of pick your brain stuff. And I struggle with kind of going back and forth because I'm, if my D's going, my, my direct, I'm like, sorry, people pay me to pick my brain. You know, it's like, I could be a little more artful in that, but, but having an intention for your network without being just too direct, I guess. Right. Right. You don't want to be like this guy. It was of course pre pre pandemic during Christmas. It was Christmas, you know, big Christmas party uh, with one of my, my organizations. And I could tell he, 
He was so laser intent on only spending time with the right people. Hmm. Here's the the thing. Sometimes you don't know who the right person is. So be careful how you just wrap up a conversation and move off with, you know, rudely. (laughs) You don't want to be that guy. Okay. Well, what's interesting is, There's so many. There's so many ways I can unpack this. There's so many ways I can unpack it. Uh, one of the things we we want to keep in mind is adding value to people and spending a little extra time with those people that you know will help you strategically. Okay, not being biased against other people. Um, mm. In your case, again, there's a lot of people who are freebie getters. Um, so right. <laughs> But I still, I still give them value. I was like, okay, I've got tons of freebies. Here's your freebie. Yeah. No problem. I want to behave and, and embody the person I want to be. I want to be someone who someone would want to be. Okay. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Um, and that's really what it boils down to. And it really boils down to likability, quite honestly. If you're not likable people, you can't influence people. And well, you influence them, mm-hmm. but not the way you want. Yeah. So, you know, engage people from their values perspective, understand their values language. And here's a tidbit for you. When it comes to influence, when you understand someone's values language and something they truly value, ideally you want to give them something of meaningful value to them that costs you little. Make sense? Mm. That's a very powerful tool because in every culture across the world everyone has universally a feeling of wanting to repay Hmm. yeah the law of reciprocity but but not doing it right in a way that where you expect it right because then then you can get bitter (laughs) right right i i have seen that um where someone knew about the law of reciprocity but leveraged it in a what's in it for me perspective and it truly is um we have larry actually um in a, joining our show and as yeah. a participant hey larry how you doing <laughs> and, and selling from the heart right so you know truly larry embodies that what do other people value and speaking that language and and coming from the heart with a quote-unquote pay it forward mindset if you will that, you know, that's where the rubber meets the road. It's interesting because when I talk to clients, we talk about influence and impact and they tend to think of it as something out there. Like it's, it's not within them. Like they don't own it. And I'm like, no, you, you own it. You do have influence. You do have impact. You're just one, not aware of it, which means you're irresponsible with it and you can't be intentional. So we need to fix that. Mm, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and not confusing that with manipulation. Manipulation is the chest beating, the, ooh, look at me, you know, I'm so great. I've got 20,000 certifications, woohoo. Who cares? What's in it for them? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And, and people think that's a dirty thing. It's like, when I talk about branding, it's like, what's in it for me? That's what your client wants to know. They don't care about you. And so they, they might care about you as a human being. They, they have empathy for you. But if they're going to hand you money, you got to give value in return. So it's back to the value that you mentioned in terms of that influence. What do they value? 
Mm-hmm. And when it's, it comes to job seeking, to your point earlier, if you are unable to express your impact and your value, hiring managers aren't probably going to give you the time of day because it costs money to onboard people. They want to know what's their return on investment. So when I work with people and just the career moves portion of what I do, we work on how to express their value statement. What are you bringing to the table? What's your accomplishments? What's your career contributions? Specifically based on where you're headed. So that can then influence the decision makers. You mentioned remote work earlier. And um, I know that one of the interactive presentations you give is about leading remote teams effectively. Obviously, the issue of having remote teams uh, was growing before, you know, COVID seems to have uh, put the gas on like a number of things. One of them is remote teams. Um, have you seen, uh, what are some of the biggest challenges that you see facing some of these teams? Because a lot of us have been calling for more remote work, more remote work for like the last 10 years. And people were like, no, they were resisting, resisting. And overnight you had to do it. It's like homeschool. We homeschool our kids. So many people turn into homeschoolers overnight and they're like, Kirk, can I have advice? Can I have advice? So what are some of the biggest challenges you're seeing now within this COVID world uh, with remote work? There's a lot of them. Uh, one of those things is setting boundaries because, I mean, you and I, we've, we've been quote unquote working you know, remotely for quite some time and this is normal for us. But for a lot of people, it's not. Setting boundaries is one of them. I see so many of I mean, I'm literally I'm talking executives off the ledge, Kurt. Hmm. Seriously. Burned out, working ridiculous hours because we're blurring the lines between going into the office and, and home. So it's so easy to have dinner and then hop back online. Set yeah. boundaries. And as a leader, establish those expectations for your team. Because if you're doing that and you send in mails at 10 o'clock, you are then encouraging, no, mandating, actually, that your team do that even though you haven't said it. Okay. So you are modeling the expectation behavior. And the other struggle leaders have is engaging their teams, particularly when it comes to multi-generational teams. Okay. Some um, leaders are less technology savvy, less savvy with how to express their brand, their their person, their personality online in this little square. Here is all you have. So we have to emote and be present and show up way more than we would normally in person. And that's because we are missing the vast majority of nonverbal communication. Hmm. Just have this little box. That's all we have. <laughs> but to leverage it. And also know your team. Getting back to that, you know, Gallup Strengths Finder Extended Disc, knowing your team, being able to know what their strengths are, know where they shine, what lights them up, what drains them. If you have reserved team members that are, say, an S or a C, do not expect them to turn the stinking camera on every time. Don't make every meeting a camera meeting. 
for one thing, you're burning your team out. I don't care if you're a raging eye. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Right? Uh, don't burn your team out. Re- honor different work styles. Know that other people are different from you, and that's not wrong. It's different. They have different ways of communicating, being influenced, etc. So know that as a leader, be smart about it. Because right now, I mean, in general, that's incredibly important. But right now, we really need to be wise about how we leverage technology, because it's a beautiful thing, to enable us to work remotely and then create spaces for people to connect with you. Because we're missing that one-off child coffee chat by the, you know, the cooler and the break room, right? We don't have that anymore. So now we have to create spaces for that. It's it's funny. It's uh, when I get into work mode, I'm D, I'm a high D um, in my day because I like to get in, get out. So office when I I mean it's been forever since I worked in a corporate environment, but oh, I hated it. This was busy work, and I was I was happy not to have the coffee chat. And if you get me talking outside of work, man, I will go and and talk forever. But the, you mentioned non the importance of nonverbal communication. Mm-hmm. And just how important that is, because we've all either received emails or sent emails where you can't uh, really read humor as much. So you might think someone is really, I remember I worked in, when I worked, this is 16, 17 years ago, I was in, an, in the office setting and I emailed a guy next door, a joke, a guy who was in the office next door. Like I could have shouted to him, right? And we were, had an event coming up and he said, well, we're only expecting this many people at the event. And I said, oh my gosh, I just ordered, I, I said like 10,000 t-shirts for the event. And it was like 500 were coming up, right? Well, I thought it was obvious it was a joke. He appeared in my office and it's like, are you serious? And I said, no, I'm kidding. And he just... F the you F and you know, it was like this whole thing. And, and people came out, it came to the point where people came out and were laughing and they laughed at him, but he, he, he used to do a lot of this. Right. But, but that nonverbal communication, my wife's a speech uh, language pathologist, and she's actually concerned with nonverbal communication, especially when kids go back to school and have to wear masks. My wife is very big on looking at your mouth when you, when you, and, and I've heard from other people, they can't tell, are you joking? Are you smiling? Are you, and I think we're really going to learn here as much as we want to automate life and do some of these things. There is a real, that's why I hate the term social distancing. Um, but even if you just physically distance and do these types of, of things, we're missing out on a big part of life and communication and relationship building, aren't we? Yes, massive. That could be a whole different, I mean, we could do a whole other, let's just do another session about that. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> we would have a lot of people boohooing. I mean, I'm not like, you know, get off my lawn, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna right. stick to no technology. That's not That's not the, not the case. But we have, you know, that generational difference between, let's say baby boomers and some um, Gen X, the forgotten generation. Nobody, nobody talks about us. <laughs> where technology is extension of themselves, but for older generation, technology is a tool. And a very important distinction because 
when technology is an extension of yourself, you forget that over thousands of years, our human brain has developed to re create relationships in person. And you cannot reprogram that in two or three generations. Now we are seeing a lot of differences, but you just can't flip the switch. And one reason why in this particular environment, if you're re relying, let's just say, managing your teams via Zoom, um, you probably want to have some phone calls. And the reason that is, is because even though you can see people and see that they're smiling or not, you have mostly Zoom zombies. You know, this is it. <laughs> <like that. laughs> it your brain is looking for nonverbal cues that isn't there. So that's multitasking, that's draining. Mm. And then you're not getting the same chemical release, like oxytocin, et cetera, that feel good chemical. You know, you get when you meet someone in person, you're like, oh, it's so good to see you. No, don't get that. Not that mm. you maybe think that of you about your work buddies, but <laughs> you do get more of a boost from all those meetings you complain about than you do with virtual. It's just not there for us yet as human beings. And what's honestly, you know, I'm concerned about Kirk long-term, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but long-term, there is a very good reason why people have developed these evolutionary nuances to make us better at collaborating hmm. um, and make it important for us to feel good collaborating with others and having, having empathy and helping and these sorts of things. It's an evolutionary safeguard to make sure that we bond and work together as communities. If you don't have that, well, that's like almost like being a psychopath. <laughs> right. You know, I'm just I'm just being honest. You if you don't have that empathy, you don't care about other people and it's all about you, what kind of world I mean I I'm I'm concerned. <laughs> well I think I think we're seeing it. I, I think we've seen it for a few years where we can't even deal, you know, technology also allows us to insulate ourselves only with people who speak the same narratives as us. And I think we're seeing that with cancel culture and, uh, you know, the sticks and stones. Sticks and stones used to be what you said if people hurt you with words, and now the words are the sticks and stones. Um, and I, I, we're just seeing a lot of antisocial behavior in terms of, be, you know, when you're able to hide behind the anonymity or at least you feel you're anonymous. I mean, the amount, even on LinkedIn, which is, you know, Twitter is one thing, right? Twitter is like, you know, just a, a dumpster fire food fight. You know, Facebook, is, it, it got that way. I actually deleted 4,000, 5,000 friends on Facebook and got off it. The only reason I'm still on is for my company pages, if we run ads and those things. LinkedIn, though, you see it as well. Um, uh, with the quote unquote trolls and there's a way to deal with them. But at the heart of it is the one word you use, which is empathy. I mean, we, it, it's ha being able to sit down and have discussions. And I think this does go to the heart of not just societal issues, but the workplace, because, you know, I remember when I went into my Gallup certification uh, and I was at an event actually a couple of weeks ago down in Florida where some HR folks were just talking about the things over time, over the last 10 or 20 years, the things and concerns that people came to them with 20 years ago were very different. And they just have an inability to deal with basic things now. And I remember I was at a workplace where there were two women who did not like each other. 
in the workplace. One of the women was having a wedding, was getting married. Well, she invited some people from the workplace that she was friends with. Didn't invite the person who they don't get along anyways. Official complaint was lodged with HR. You know, and certain things, and, and it's it's really going to be interesting. Um, uh, you should meet, actually, I, I, do you know uh, uh, Pete Havel? He's in Dallas. I don't know. He's got a book. You'd actually, you'd love it. I had him on the show, uh, but you'll, you will fall over listening to the story he told. But he's got a book called The Arsonist in the Office. And when he tells you this story, we sat down when I was in Dallas and he told me this uh, a year and a half ago. We had a dinner and I was like, what? And it was this story when if you take the most screwed up workplace throw in rampant uh inter-office sex and sexual harassment combined with someone who was doing it strategically a woman who was doing it strategically and then basically ransoming the whole company for all this i mean it's a crazy thing but pete's Pete now goes on the speaking circuit basically talking about what is the impact of all these societal and behavioral pieces. And then you throw just technology and taking people apart from each other, where now you can get offended in an email, even though they meant something else. I think the impacts of this on remote work, on if we ever go back into offices, relationships, certainly influence, um, it's it's going to be something that, that plays an important role in all of that over the next five, ten, well, next probably week and 10 years. <laughs> yeah, well, 30, 40, 50 years, 100 years. Yeah. Right now, Kurt, we're rewriting our social script. Hmm. And what's concerning me is, and it does need to be rewritten. There's a lot that needs to be rewritten in our social script. And there's a lot that needs to be honored, you know, because of how we form bonds, how we form relationships. We need to have a place for that so we can have healthy, non-depressed people. But, you know, we're not being intentional about writing our new social script. No one's taking that on. No one's getting people together and saying, okay, what does this look like? How can we manage this? What's what's best practices? There's there's really there's a little pockets of it here and there, but there's no massive collective acknowledgement and then focus on, okay, we understand the future will be very different. Hmm. What does that social script look like? So we can as a humanity bond form communities, you know work, thrive, based on our new environments that we need to be in. What does that look like? I don't think there's a lot of emphasis on that. And there needs to be. Because we are already seeing massive impacts on, you know, the use of technology as extension of self Mm. and what it's doing to mental health, et cetera. And that safety net people think they have um, (laughs) by not being in the same room. People, there's no safety net. <laughs> there is no safety net. <laughs> Whatever you put out, there's a part of your brand. You're talking about branding and influencing? Everything you do is a part of your brand. Everything. Yeah. Without exception. So keep that in mind. <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd like to, to finish off here talking about mindset and optimizing your mindset, which is something you talk about and speak about. 
And certainly right now, whether it's uh, people trying to, who are out of work, who need to kind of recharge their career or people who are in work who need to recharge their career or find something new or, or want us to find that sense of freedom we, we started talking about at the beginning. There's a lot of noise going on in the world right now and a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty about are we locked down? Are we not locked down? Can we go to work? Can we not go to work? Our restaurants are open. They're closed. Uh, can we travel? We can't travel. Commercial real estate, loan default. Whatever it is, the noise is growing. What do you tell your clients about how to really focus on that signal and keep moving forward? And because it's easy to sit in your corner, suck your thumb and say, well, the world sucks and there's nothing I can do. I'm not even going to think about career because it's not up to me. How do you really help someone optimize their mindset to keep moving forward? That, that's a whole nother topic too. <laughs> <laughs> you throw me some really deep one here. Uh, well, first of all, understand that unless you're extraordinarily intentional, we are typically a product of our inputs. So look around you. What's your inputs? If you're watching the news, if you're on Facebook, watching everything fall apart, likelihood is high that that is negatively influencing your mindset. Now, I'm not saying stick your head in the sand and ignore the world. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying guard your boundaries because we are a product of our inputs by and large. It will impact you and also own your impact. You have much more impact and influence than you realize. Now, there's a lot more information about this um, on my website, coachyurban.com. You can go to courses. You will find a host of resources, and one of those is my free Mindset Reset course that happens in my online group on Facebook. I know. <laughs> But it's a great group with lots of interaction, uh, workshops, free events, et cetera, and coaching insights from yours truly. So that's available. Um, but yeah, so guard your boundaries. Be aware of your inputs. Take time for you. I'm really serious about this. Um, I go into much more detail in the Mindset Reset and talk about how important it is to take time for you to set your intention every day. And the importance of journaling, a lot of people are like, oh, journaling, that's just fluffy stuff. No, actually, there's real scientific neurological reasons why journaling is very powerful. I'll give you just a short synopsis. Basically, if you set your intent, and one of the ways to do that is through journaling, say on gratitude, for example, your brain, basically, you're setting a program to your brain. You're saying, okay, brain, look for things about gratitude because your brain will focus on things you set its intent to. If you doubt this, most of us have looked for a new car or had a friend that got a new car at some point, and suddenly you see that car everywhere. It's not because it just appeared. It's because your brain is now trained to look for it. <laughs> and this happens in reverse, too. For negative things, if you're negatively focused, you'll see more of it, right? So it guard the narrative you tell yourself. You, you want the, Create the narrative you want, not the narrative you don't. And like uh, Michelle Gillian says in Broadcasting Happiness, for example, you know, change your story, change your power. So I, I highly that. recommend you go to coachyurban.com, go to courses. You'll see a host of resources there, not only to help you reset your mindset, but also help you navigate successful career move. Um, if you'd like to reach out to me one-on-one, -on -one, you can certainly do that to the same website right on the homepage. In fact, coachyurban.com. I'd love to hear from you. And you can learn more about what I do and who I am. 